Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. an apostle of Jesus Christ because it's such a cushy job. Maybe that's the wrong one. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ because the pay is so good. Probably not that one either. Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ because, let's face it, it's only one hour a week. No, we, we know better than that, yeah. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. What, gang? By the will of God. By the will of God. The calling of God upon your life can provide the guidance and motivation for times when you must endure questions or doubt regarding God's will. Today, Pastor David teaches about the difficulty of ministry Paul had experienced, yet he held on to his calling. Paul had a unique relationship with the Corinthian church, and our New Testament books give us a glimpse into their interaction. While witnessing Paul's struggles, we glean timeless wisdom for lives today. Now here's Pastor David with part one of his message entitled, A Severe Call. I'm not sure if you know it or not, but even pastors can have bad days. Pastors can get frustrated. We can get in bad moods. We can feel defeated. We can feel depressed. We can feel that we're under attack. And that's just my day. How's your day been? Actually, pastors can feel that they're so earthbound that heaven is a far too distant hope. Sometimes even as pastors, we can feel so earthly focused that heaven is actually kind of a questionable promise because we lose sight sometimes too. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, he says this, I am the subject of depressions of spirit so fearful that I hope none of you ever get to such extremes of wretchedness as I go to. When the enemy attacks, you need to understand pastors are not immune. Sometimes the attacks come from within, from our own weaknesses, from our own vulnerabilities. Other times the attacks come from outside as enemies of the gospel set their assault to, again, shut down or lessen or to slow down the move and the hope of the gospel. Sometimes the attacks even come from those that you try to minister to. The one that I went to temple with, he's the one that stabbed me in the back. 
The attacks of the world, they're expected, okay? We, we understand that. The attacks from our own flesh, are, though, though, those are to be expected also. But the attacks from within the household of faith, from brothers and sisters in Christ, when those come, they leave a particular battle scar within our lives that is, is, is difficult, if not downright impossible, to recover from. There's some pastors that have been hurt so bad, even from the churches that they've served, is they, they've said, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to be a pastor anymore. Or they've set themselves so apart from the fellowship, they may still be good teachers of the word, but there's no real relationship with the people. In a normal course of a minister's life, his children have been the target of non-human expectations. His wife has suffered from personal attacks aimed against her, as well as suffering with the attacks made against her husband. Many a pastor himself on a regular basis thinks of looking for another place of ministry or simply out and out resigning and moving out of the ministry completely. The thoughts may come, but praise God, not many truly are moved to the completion or the fruition of those kinds of thoughts to where they're leaving the ministry. You may have heard statistics, that, and it's all over the internet, that 1,500 pastors a month leave the ministry. 1,500 pastors a month. Well, fact is, it's not true, okay? Just want to let you know that. There, there's more hope than that. Uh, according to Barna Research, Focus on the Family, and Fuller Seminary survey results, there are nowhere close to that many that are leaving the ministry. As a matter of fact, according to LifeWay Research, that's funded by the Southern Baptist Convention, commissioned by the North American Missions Board, a survey of some 1,500 evangelical churches over a 10-year period of time, not counting those that have retired or those that have left the ministry to go on to teach to Bible school or at universities, there's actually only around 2% that leave the ministry for non-ministry positions. In other words, we get to the point where we say, we are so fed up with you guys, I'm going to go get a job at Walmart, okay? There's only about 2%. And no, I am not a 2%er, okay? Just want to let you know that. However, it doesn't lessen the real issues that, that pastors and ministers, ministry leaders face on a regular basis. According to LifeWay, according to their research, the responses from the survey that they sent out, pastors say that the role can be tough. 84% say they are on call 24 hours a day. 80% expect conflict in their church on a regular basis. 54% find the role of pastor frequently overwhelming, frequently overwhelming. 53% are often concerned about their family's financial security. 48% often feel the demands of ministry are more than they can handle. And 21% say their church has unrealistic expectations on them. One of the men responsible for this, Scott McConnell uh, from Lifeway Research, the vice president there, he says that this is a, I love it, he says this is a brutal job. The, the problem isn't that pastors are quitting. The problem is that pastors have such a challenging work environment. Now, 
So it becomes not too strange of a question to ask, why in the world would you go into ministry? Why in the world would you do it? You know, the only answer that is sufficient to that is I believe very deeply that I have been called by God to this particular ministry and this position. That's the only answer that you're going to survive with. That's the only answer. This is what the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians. Last week we finished 1 Corinthians. We're now moving on into 2 Corinthians. In the opening paragraphs of 2 Corinthians in chapter 1, Paul gives us a little bit of insight. I want you to take a look at real quick. There in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, down in verse 8, Paul says, look, I don't want you to be ignorant about this. You got it? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, for our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. And yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. So Paul, why in the world would you go into ministry? And now that you're there, why in the world would you stay? He actually answered that question in the very opening words there in chapter 1. Look at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, because it's such a cushy job. Maybe that's the wrong one. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, because the pay is so good. Probably not that one either. Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, because let's face it, it's only one hour a week. No, we, we know better than that, yeah. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, what, gang? By the will of God. By the will of God. By the will of God. Paul knew that above all things, that's the only answer that is sufficient. In essence, what he's saying, I believe very deeply that I have been called by God to this ministry and to this position. It's only then, really, that that a minister of any sort can really stand when, again, everything is falling apart around him, uh, every attack of the enemy is hitting him, and like Paul saying there, man, we we were above strength, man, we despaired even of life. Let me do a little sidebar over here real quick. I've never been in that position as a pastor, okay? I know pastor friends who have been. I mean, just so overwhelmed by the situation that they were in. Praise God. You know, we, we've been blessed. Todd and I talk about this on a regular basis. In 25 years of ministry, we have never, ever had a church split. Now, in 25 years of ministry, we've had a few people get upset at us and leave. Why? I cannot even begin to imagine why they would get upset at me. It, it happens nonetheless. There's several reasons probably why they could get upset at me if I were honest about it. We're looking at Paul tonight. 
we're, we're, we're going to see that in this letter to Corinth, Paul lays out this very real, this very personal journey that he's had to travel, not only as he shares the gospel, but also as he assists in the growth and in the maturity and in the discipline of the churches that, that, that he had been involved with through these years of ministry. And he had touched the lives of many churches, many Christians through that time, I guarantee you, the enemy was not pleased with the Apostle Paul. And as he went into many of these areas, and we, we talked about this a week or so ago, and we'll touch on it a little bit even tonight, when Demetrius, this, the uh, silversmith, uh, when he was in Ephesians, and he raised up sucker, such a ruckus that, man, there was a huge riot that, again, man, they feared for Paul's very life. Why? Because he was faithful in preaching the gospel in a community of absolute pagans all around him. And yet he consisted to preach the gospel and people were coming to Christ. And as they came to Christ, they no longer worshiped Diana. And so since they no longer worshiped Diana, they didn't need to buy these little silver and gold idols. And so these guys were running out of the business. It'd be kind of like, you know, if the church really got on fire here in Casa Grande and some bars started shutting down, you know, we we're touching people's business then. Or maybe some other business. I don't know for sure. You know, I'm not even going to go there. But again, we see the move of God in such a powerful way that it was impacting the community, impacting the community where it hurt them the most. Right pocket in the back. It was hitting them financially. And man, they, 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 they raised a riot over that and nearly killed him. Now, I know that we just finished 1 Corinthians last week, and now one week later now we're beginning the study in 2 Corinthians, but there's actually a little over a year of time that has gone past from the writing of 1 Corinthians to the writing of 2 Corinthians, and actually there's another letter that's in between those that we don't have. Well, in fact, most commentaries, when you, when you look and you read what Paul writes and how he writes as he's writing in 1 Corinthians, he writes about a letter that he had already sent. So that would have been first. So 1 Corinthians actually becomes 2 Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians, he's writing about another letter. So there's probably a third one in there. So there's at least four letters to the Corinthians, but we have two of them. Kind of help us understand the whole flow of uh, the visits and the letters uh, of, of Paul dealing primarily with the church here in Corinth. Uh, in, in summary, they, they start out, his first visit to Corinth happened somewhere around AD 51, 52, somewhere in that near. So about 20 years after the crucifixion of Christ, the first letter to the Corinthians happened around 53, about a year or so after he had left there, and he found out that all this stuff was going on that he had to start correcting there in 1 Corinthians. His second letter to Corinth, which is actually our 1 Corinthians, because remember, there's these that we didn't get. So 1 Corinthians was actually written about 55, so about two years later. So we're finding this man about every two years or so, he's trying to correct. No, it's even worse than that. Because his second visit to Corinth, the one that he speaks about being a painful visit, comes in between 55 and 56 AD. As a matter of fact, not only the second visit, but then he writes a third letter, one that we have lost, 
sometime before 56. So again, between 55 and 56 AD, not only did he visit them, but he also sent them another letter. Now we get to the fourth letter of Corinthians, which is actually our second Corinthians. Are you confused yet? Okay. That's in 56 AD, they figure. So between his first visit in in, in 51, 52, when he was there for about a year and a half, 18 months. So let's say from 52, his first visit when when he left there. He's come back and visited them another time. Plus he sent a couple of letters to them trying to get these guys straightened up. Why? Because of the situations that was going on. Finally, he came his third visit right after he sent 2 Corinthians to them, the fourth letter. So all of this thing within about a five to six year time frame. Corinth was a church that Paul founded. He had spent a year and a half there grounding and establishing the church. And if you would think, man, that's the apostle Paul. He had it going. I mean, this is, this is like the super apostle, and he, you had a year and a half of him pouring into your lives? You ought to have your act together by then. But less than a year after he left is when he's writing, man, you guys got all these cliques going. You're saying you're of Apollos, you're of Paul, you're of Peter, you're of Jesus. You got all that, man. You're suing each other. You're putting up with sexual immorality within the church, and you're proud of the fact that you're all-inclusive and everything. And so he's jumping on him for that in less than a year after he leaves. A lot of problems began to rise up in that fellowship, and they weren't the, the church itself wasn't handling them very well. At first, he sent Timothy there to help straighten things out, but that didn't work real well. He had to continue on with the letters and the visits. The church communicated with Paul through other letters that we don't have, but we have kind of Paul's responses to those letters in his writings here. Also, the messengers that came from there, whether those from Corinth or others that had passed through, Titus brings a good report a little bit later. That helps Paul understand what's going on there with the instructions that he gives to the church, his declaration that, again, he hoped to soon visit them. There was this great hope that the church would get back on the right path. But you know what? It just didn't seem to be the case. It just seemed like there was this constant, constant battle. Now, let me give give a little bit of grace to Corinth, okay? Corinth was a church that was in a combination environment of, you know, the, the, the craziness of New York City, the craziness of San Francisco, and a little bit of Sodom and Gomorrah all mixed up into it, okay? So they had all this idol worship going on, all this sexual immorality going on. It's not like, you, you know, you had to go and search this stuff out. Matter of fact, man, you just go out on the streets and it's everywhere. We lived in Las Vegas for a short time. I was at a church up there and Even at that time when we lived there, the billboards were just like, whoa. You know, it's kind of like, man, I can't believe that they're putting that on the billboards. Now, if any of you have been in Las Vegas since then, and that was like way back in the 1900s that we were there. (laughs) But for those of you that have been there recently, from what I understand, it's even worse. Can you imagine seeing worse than that on a regular basis, all the time, and you're trying to be 
a child of God, and you're being bombarded because all of your family worship these pagan gods, and they wonder what in the world's wrong with you. You go over to mom's house for dinner on, on Sunday. She's got all the pagan you know, idols all over the place. Your brothers and your sisters are there, and they're wondering, how come you're worshiping this one God that supposedly rose? So all of this battle is going against you. Continual attack. So Corinth had a tough job. There's no doubt about that. Well, Paul had told him, I want to come visit you. In what we have as 1 Corinthians, he says, hey, I, I, I want to come soon and visit you. But instead of that intended visit and to be able to spend some time with him, Paul had this very hurried, very short visit in an effort to try and remedy some of the situation that was going on, some of the misunderstandings, because some were saying this about Paul, some were saying that, how to deal with problems. Following that short visit, he wrote what could be called a severe letter Titus brought this one to them at that point in time, and that's the one that's between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. We don't have a copy of that letter. Apparently, several issues were dealt with, very, very direct by the apostle. Paul was finally able to meet up with Titus, leaving from Macedonia. He was on his way to Corinth. We can read all about this in in the book of Acts. Ladies, you'll get there eventually on the women's Bible study as you're going through Acts. When he finally finds Titus, Titus gives him a firsthand report of the events, the activities of the church. And actually, the report he received from Titus was actually mostly good And in response to that, then Paul writes to the church again the letter that we know as 2 Corinthians. Okay, so that kind of brings you up to speed of what's going on prior to this. Now, it's clear that there's several reasons for this letter. If you read through the letter, you find a few things that really jump out at you. First of all, it's a reminder of some of the personal struggles that Paul himself had endured. That's the reason I started this message tonight and this teaching tonight about the troubles that a pastor goes through because Paul, man, he dealt with these firsthand much more than any pastor here would ever go through. We see still in chapter one, there's a great deal of confusion about Paul's change of plans. Why did you only come and stay for a while? You were supposed to come. Apparently, there was some communication that, man, they were really frustrated that he didn't stay long enough. So he sought to try and set the record straight that, man, some events happened that kept him from coming and doing what he wanted to do. You get into second uh, chapter there. It's a call for the church to restore that man. Remember in, in, in 1 Corinthians, the guy that uh, in sexual immorality, he was sleeping with his dad's wife, okay, so like his stepmom. And Paul said, man, you're letting that go on, and you guys are proud of the fact that you're, you know, hey, you know, we, we don't want to be judgmental with the guy. And Paul says, get the guy out of the church. He, he's messing up the witness that you have. Well, they followed what he told them to do. They kicked him out of the church. Well, now in, in chapter two, Paul comes back and says, hey, let the brother back in if his heart's changed. Don't just cast him out forever if he's repented and turned back. Otherwise, he'll get to the point where, man, it's just useless. I'm gone. I'm, I'm toast. There's, there's no hope for me. No, you got to give hope for somebody. And for you and I, man, what a great message that is for you and I. You don't have time to go into it tonight. But just think about this. When somebody falls within our fellowship, when somebody struggles and stumbles and falls into sin, are we willing to spend the time to see, number one, have they repented? Is there, is, there, is there repentance there? 
And then are we willing to accept them back into the fellowship? Or do we always hold in the back of our mind, oh, you've got to watch him. Oh, you've got to watch her. See, so yeah, Paul says, no, you need to let that brother back in. You need to give him some hope, you know, that he can be restored completely. Thank you for listening to today's message from The Open Word. We hope that the words Pastor David has shared from the book of 2 Corinthians have touched your life and that you're eager to dive into a deeper relationship with Jesus. We'd like to invite you to join us next time on The Open Word, but you don't have to wait to hear more messages from the Word of God. With details on how you can listen online, here's Pastor David. Hey, thanks, Chris. The Open Word has an archive of previous messages ready to be listened to, downloaded, or shared at theopenword.com. Simply click on the teachings link at the top of the page. You can also take The Open Word with you as you go by subscribing to our podcasts. This can be done through our website or by searching for The Open Word on iTunes. By subscribing, you'll have sound, Bible-based teachings with you anytime, anywhere. Thanks, Pastor David. While you're at theopenword.com, be sure to click on About for more information about the ministry of The Open Word and more about Pastor David. There's also a link to Pastor David's blog, another great resource that looks deeper into what the Bible is teaching us. That website again is theopenword.com. That's all the time we have for here today on The Open Word. Join us next time as Pastor David continues teaching verse by verse through the book of 2 Corinthians. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope you have a blessed day.